ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to One-Eyed Tigers and Pies. This is the podcast where we talk about all things AFLW, so long as it involves Richmond or Collingwood. I'm Tony, and I'm a One-Eyed Richmond supporter. And I'm Alexandra, and I'm a One-Eyed Collingwood supporter. Welcome, Tones. Great to have you back. It is great to be back. And uh, I have to say, though, we missed out on the opportunity to have a preview of the big grudge match, the first ever Collingwood versus Richmond game. I know. I can't believe it. I can't believe we didn't get to preview it because we didn't know it was happening until like two days before and we didn't get to go together. Do you know you and I have not actually been to a game of AFLW together since we started this podcast? No, we haven't. That is well, We started this podcast and the world locked down around us. So yes, the world has changed. So Richmond Collingwood, how cool was that? It was so exciting. It's great watching, you know, two traditional clubs fight it out and uh well, we'll get to the analysis of the game, but I wasn't too unhappy. I thought I came out of it going, I'm okay. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're um, no wins from three matches mm-hmm. and I'm three wins from three matches and you're happier than I am about where we're at. No, that's, that's not quite true because I'm very happy that we're three from three, um, but I am genuinely feeling like we haven't come up against anyone who's tested it and I'm tested us and I'm very worried about Saturday night. Having watched the game beforehand, which was the Fremantle-Adelaide game, I think anyone who comes up against Fremantle should start to be worried because they're playing a brilliant round of football. Well, I watched the Melbourne-North Melbourne match on um, Saturday afternoon and anybody who comes up against either of those teams needs to be worried because that's some of the best football I've seen in a long time. How great is football? (laughs) It's great. So... Just on the fact that we've just done this introduction and talked not a great deal about Richmond and Collingwood, I do want to have this conversation tone. I don't. I think our podcast is misnamed. Um, we're not one-eyed. We we are one-eyed football fanatics. I'll give us that. I'm not just a Richmond women's fan. Yeah, and I'm not just a Collingwood women's fan, which is is interesting because in the men's game, I'm absolutely Collingwood. Like nobody else gets a look in and I actually hate and despise a number of the other teams and there are a few who I don't hate and despise quite as much, but, you know, I'm Collingwood. But in the women's game, I think it was the AFLW put out a tweet to name your favourite player from another team and I couldn't decide because my list was too long. (laughs) And... There's an awful lot of Carlton players on there, which I find quite disturbing. Now, that is very disturbing. I, I imagine Maddie Presbarkus would probably have to make it. Uh, yes, Maddie Presbarkus makes it, Taylor Harris and Darcy Vessio. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, well, obviously I've got a, a bunch of Fremantle people on there. I've raved about Gemma Horton and I have a whole section of this show dedicated to Sprinter Duffy. So, yes, we obviously just love other players and I am a Fremantle member. And I am I am a um, Bulldogs member, God forbid. So Ellie Blackburn's on my favourite players list as well. And I'm sure there will be more, but I'm a new I'm a new Bulldogs member. So So maybe um, we could put this question out to our Legions of fans. And I checked, we got fifty people listen to our very first podcast of the year. So there are fans out there. Wow, 50 people. Question out to our fans. Can you suggest a better name for this podcast that more accurately reflects the fact that we just love AFLW? So why do we feel differently about women's football than men's football? I don't know. I have a theory that 
it's because it's what it needs to be. Men's game's fine. It doesn't need us to be a supporter of it. But the women's game, you know, I want everyone else to know how great this game is. And that's why I want to talk about how great it is. I don't need to do that for the men's game. I can just be a just be a fan. I, I, does that ring any ring true for your experience? Um, it does in that I want to celebrate the good things that are happening no matter which club they're happening at. Like I get really excited about 53,000 people at a game of football even if it's not my club and Taylor Harris doing amazing marks and kicks and um, the G train kicking a goal from outside 50. Like I am so pumped for those things even though they're not Collingwood. Yeah. I also wonder if it's something to do with my perverse personality that I was told so often in the first couple of years of women's football that it was no good and they're wrong and I just love proving people wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I get that. Um, And one of the other factors might also be uh, several of my favourite players are ex-Collingwood players who are now at other clubs. So there's much more movement of the really good players between clubs. So I can't hate Sarah Darcy even though she now plays for Richmond. Right. I can, however, criticise maybe some of her work in defence this week, but apart from that. (laughs) Anyway, perhaps we should move on to an actual analysis of the game. Let's do it. And, Tone, seeing it was Collingwood versus Richmond this week, and so we both watched the same game from end to end and talked to each other quite a lot during the game, I think we should mix things up a little bit and you should review Collingwood's game and I'll review Richmond's. I think that's a great idea and I really wish we'd thought about this before the game so I'd paid more attention to Collingwood (laughs) rather than just watching Richmond. Yes, never mind. I um, read some reports afterwards so I'm just kind of catching my (laughs) review from what other people have said. Let's give it a whirl. Shall I uh, kick off? Yes, you tell me how Collingwood went, Tone. Okay, so Collingwood played well. I would say overall... They were just too skillful, and in many ways, it reflects what I've said in the first two weeks. In that, uh, the the amount of ball that was that Richmond and Collingwood won was pretty similar, but uh, Collingwood stood off the packs better, kept space, and when they got the ball, they they used it a lot better than Richmond. Yeah, we also kicked more goals. Well, that's that's important, and several of them were actually legitimate too. Uh, <laughs> Hang on, I'm fairly sure we made a promise not to talk about the umpiring. I, I, I will try not to talk about the umpiring, but okay. I will talk about one thing. is I hate the interpretation of dangerous tackle both ways. Uh, I thought there were legitimate tackles on both sides that were rewarded with free kicks for dangerous tackles that I thought were just unfair. They were just good tackles. Yeah, and I think the umpires might still be a bit gun-shy after Brid Stack. Um, Breaking a breaking her back, breaking a vertebrae, doing something she to broke, a vertebrae. She broke a neck, a vertebrae. Yeah, she broke her neck in the practice match, and I can kind of understand that. But I agree with you; it it makes it feel a bit um, wishy washy in the match. That's right. But anyway, moving on from that, uh, yes, Collingwood actually had a number of things they did differently that Richmond just showed they weren't capable of doing. A couple of examples were the ability to find space in close and get a get a legitimate kick away in that several times there was a really good pickup and they were able to just shimmy, take a half step, 
create space on the defender and get a kick around their their shoulder. And I'm thinking about Lim, I think, in the second quarter was a brilliant kick up uh, from Sheridan, snapped around the body. And then in quarter one, Alexander's first goal uh, at the end of the Ruby Slacker run through the centre, um, just managed to sidestep, pick up, kick around the corner. And I just didn't see a Richmond player do that to the same kind of extent. So it's something about capability in close under pressure, which Collingwood had. Yeah, um, which is possibly a poise thing as much as anything because I think Richmond showed they had that capability. It's just that they weren't able to do it in quite quite as slick as Collingwood. Yeah. And speaking of slick, uh, I did mention Ruby Schleicher. I thought she was absolutely sensational. I saw you mentioned her last week and her run through the centre to set up that second goal was brilliant. But also later in the game, she actually ended up in defence a bit and uh, did some really solid things. Like she kept getting the ball in dangerous positions when Richmond were pressing and uh, just showing a cool head and choosing the right option. So she was excellent. Yeah, she is actually a defender, so her ending up in defence is not that surprising. Well, I told you I don't pay attention to Collingwood very much. (laughs) Uh, Other good things I noticed, uh, Sheridan's two goals, absolutely sensational. I mean, people who can kick goals from the boundary 35 metres out, they're pretty amazing, absolutely amazing goals. Uh, in terms of the midfield, yes, Bree Davey was everywhere. Um, and again, I saw what she said where she got tackled several times and still got the ball to where it was supposed to go. It was very annoying. Yeah, she was great, wasn't she? Yep, yep. Um, yeah, Benici, Lambert did very well. Lots of possessions, very good in close and, and sort of evened the game. And then, and then, yes, Richmond came back at the end. Um, but I thought when I was watching what Collingwood was doing, I thought they actually – stuck a couple of extra players in defence, a kick behind the play, just to, just to ice the game, which you legitimately can do five goals up, I suppose. I heard Britt Benici interviewed after the game and she talked about the wind and how strong the wind was and that they had the wind against them in the last quarter. So that's another reason they'd have been going defensive. Oh, that um, makes sense, yeah. There were some very, very long kicks and several kicks that went over the back with the wind. Cool. Um, Tone, that was um, that was not a bad rap. I do think that your comment, Benici and Lambert got lots of possessions in the midfield, undersells how amazing those two players are. <laughs> oh, look, I've always been a Lambert fan. No question. Oh, um, can I talk about someone else? I thought Chloe Malloy was wasted. I really did. She did a couple of nice things, but I just don't think she was in the game enough. Hmm. I would tend to agree with you there. And it's interesting. I don't know why. We weren't getting the same sort of delivery into the forward line that we've had in the last two weeks. Um, so they did end up moving her up the field a little bit, but even then she wasn't playing through the centre. So, yeah, I agree with you. She just didn't get enough of it. I'd be interested to see whether or not uh, a rotation, you know, sometime in the forward and some more time in the midfield is is going to work out better for Chloe. The Dustin Martin kind of role. Exactly. Hmm. Speaking of Richmond, my turn to praise Richmond for losing, which is what you've done for the last two weeks, and now I'm going to do it. I told you I'm not crazy. (laughs) If Richmond had been able to kick goals from 10 metres out, they'd have made a contest of this. (laughs) Yes, as compared to 35 out on the boundary where Collingwood couldn't seem to miss. Yes. Um, Seriously, you have an uncanny ability to miss absolute gimmies. Mm. Um, That must be really frustrating. It is, but I lived through the 90s with Richo, so I'm actually quite used to people missing from 10 metres out. (laughs) 
I, I actually think for most of the game, the teams felt pretty even. You've talked about it. The stats are remarkably even. They kind of had the same amount of the ball. Um, Richmond won the hitouts, and if I knew the name of your ruckman, I'd say she did a very good job. It was uh, Gabby Gabby Seymour who also took that awesome mark. Oh, oh, was she the ruckman? She was the ruckman. Oh my god! For those of you who didn't see it, Gabby Seymour took a mark. She took a mark on Stacey Livingston. Um, and her reaction was just one of the best things I've seen all year. It was awesome. She was so delighted to have <laughs> taken that contested mark on one of the best fullbacks in the game. Um, yeah, it was terrific. She then missed it from, from 10, 10 metres out. She kicks like a ruckman. <laughs> um, she, well, okay, she had a she, – I'm going to add her to my favourite player list. What's her name? It's Gabby Seymour. Um, and I will say I mentioned her in week one as someone who's absolutely stepped up this year as as a, in the ruck, just was okay last year, but this year she looks like a genuine player. That's um, that's great. It, she didn't have a ruckman playing against her on Sunday. Yes. My, my Shani- other favourite, uh, Shani Layton, isn't it? My, mm-hmm. who, who doesn't run or kick like a footballer but just keeps kicking goals and winning in the ruck regardless, wasn't playing. She, she's amazing and she's, um, she's got married so she's now Shani Norder. Shani Norder, okay. Uh, she wasn't playing. So um, uh, Gabby did a great job. Well done, Gabby. Hitouts were 29 to 7. That's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> they were 15-0 at one point, I think. Yeah, no, it was great. Uh, Richmond had more inside 50s, more marks inside 50 and more contested possession. Um, they're all kind of things that would indicate you should be closer on the scoreboard. Yeah, and perhaps the drawback was in the forward line. <laughs> the forward line is a little bit of a problem. What was it you said to me about your forward line when that first-year player kicked that excellent goal? Oh, when Ellie McKenzie kicked the goal, I think I texted you and said, our forward line looks better when our forward line's not playing there. <laughs> That's right. It was beautiful. Completely empty forward line and she uh, she ran into it, kicked a beautiful goal. Um, clearly not knowing the names of the players is a little bit of an issue. Some players did stand out for me though. Mon Conti is a superstar. Yep, she is. She's amazing. <laughs> and to think she's, she's 20, like that's incredibly young to be that good. Yeah, it's amazing. What's she going to be like in five years when she comes into her prime? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I liked what I saw of Katie Brennan. She felt like she was playing more midfield than forward. She has been forward for you last year. I remember you saying last year that she shouldn't be a forward. Well, in fact, I said that last week. So, yes, Uh, she did seem to play midfield a lot more um, and less up front, and I think it worked better. I I would still like to see her at centre-half back, but uh, midfield or round on the wing, I definitely think we look better. I also liked Phoebe Monaghan. So she was someone whose name and number I looked up because I saw her several times and every time I saw her she was doing something good with the ball. So I did learn her name. Uh, However, when I looked at her stats, they just didn't look that great. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. Last year she racked up the stats a lot, but I think she's playing a different role this year and might be a bit more locked down rather than that Mm. running defender. Hmm. Sarah Darcy, one of my Collingwood favourites, now at Richmond, Looks very different in yellow and black, and I actually didn't really see much of her. I don't think she had the greatest game back there, made a few mistakes. Of our Sarahs, I thought Sarah Hosking was the best. What about Sarah Dargan and Sarah Sansonetti, who were also on the field? As you said, it got confusing. 
So my conclusion, do you like the way that I've done this Richmond thing, which is more asking you questions about what I saw rather than having to have any opinion on it myself? <laughs> You've done brilliantly. <laughs> uh, you will win a game. Like you are playing well enough to win games against most of the middle order sides. Like I'd absolutely back you against the three bottom sides. Um, you're playing Carlton this weekend and I reckon you'll give them a run for their money. All right. That's that's optimistic, but here's hoping. I don't think Carlton are as good as the – they keep talking them up as a premiership chance, but I just don't see them that good this year. No. In fact, one of the reasons I think you half a chance is that I don't think they can string two together. Right. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for the review and uh, very positive, so that's great. So um, uh, we were discussing what would happen – with the rant this week and what I wanted to rant about. And to be honest, you know, it was such a big rant week week last week, I thought I might sit back and just enjoy football this week. So I don't have a rant. Tony, do you have a nerd rant for us? Yes, I do. Uh, So I picked up on a comment that you've been making last week, which is I think you texted me and said, Elise Parker's getting a lot of possessions again. I naturally responded with, hey, look at Mon Conti's show as she. And that made me think there's a lot of AFLW players getting pretty big numbers. So I thought I'd dive a bit deeper. Oh, excellent. So this is, us, do you have some stats, Tone? I've got some stats. I've got some numbers. And I've maybe got some interpretation of these things. So let's get a little nerdy in Tone's nerd rant. Great. Now, to start with, you remember last year I did an analysis of why the um, numbers are so different in women's gaming that effectively women only play 50% of the game time of the men. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you remember that. So when we're actually comparing stats, we actually have to do some adjustments. So I've used two adjustments to get these stats back for comparison. 56% of the playtime, so when you're comparing possessions, you divide by 0.56. Also, there's only 16 players on the field compared to 18. So you would expect women are going to get more possessions for the same amount. So um, I haven't actually considered that, so fair enough. Right. So so you get more you so possession numbers get adjusted upwards for the playtime and then adjusted downwards for the people on the field. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first of all I said let's look at total possessions. Do if you adjust for game time, do the men and the women get the same amount of uh, possessions? And the simple answer is yes. Average of 370 disposals in the men from 2018 and 19, and in the women, it's 363 and 377. So no difference whatsoever. So the, the number of possessions is roughly the same. So that's good. So it means we should be able to compare individual stats. I'm also interested in kick-to-handball ratio because that's the kind of thing I look at. And if you look at the men, it averages around 1.3 to 1.4, uh, whereas the women, it's up much higher to 1.6 to 1.7. So the men are much closer. They kick and handball about the same. Women kick a lot more often. If you take Sabrina Duffy out of that equation, does that alter the percentages? I have not done that analysis, but given she only gets about 10 of those possessions, I don't think it's going to make a major change. So we have similar amounts of disposals, but with a difference in the kick-to-handball ratio. But where it gets really interesting is when we start to look at individual players. Now, for a good comparison is Lockie Neal. Lockie Neal is pretty well known as a massive possession getter in the men's game. 
Yep. Uh, and so over 2018 and 2019, which was when the men's game didn't have wasn't affected by uh, the shorter time, he averaged between 30.9 and 30.3 possessions a game. So that's a that's a pretty good standard. Averaging 30 possessions puts you right at the top of AFL men. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. So if we adjust Elise Parker's 26.3 for the games and the number of people, she's averaging 41.8. And oh my god. She's not averaging a little more than Lucky Neil. She's averaging like 33% more. That is extraordinary. And she's not the only one. There's like it's not like she's a standout. There's others at her level. So, here's one for you. In order to get more how many women in the based on this year's stats average more possessions than Lucky Neil? So what would that be in the women's game? So it, so in the women's 30, game that's actually just 19 possessions. How many would get 19 possessions? I reckon average be, 19 possessions. Average 19 possessions. I reckon there'd be at least 3 in every team. I think you know, you're jumping a little too far ahead. There's there's 16 women in the comp who average over so, Lucky Neal. Wow. 16. Yeah. There are 16 women in the comp averaging over Lucky Neal. So, but don't forget, let's get back to the original stat. There's the same amount of total disposals adjusted. So what we're seeing is possessions are far more concentrated in the women's game. There are a lot more really, really high possession players. And by currently, there must be a lot more low possession players in the women's comp. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. And all, then I also did one final look, which is I wanted to look at meters gained. And what we also found was overall metres gained is pretty similar between the top players, which also is interesting because that makes sense, I guess, with shorter kicks but more kicks by those players. Um, so this is absolutely fascinating, Tone, but what does it mean? I just do the data. I don't do the analysis. What I think, and this is based on interpretation, not necessarily as much hard evidence as I would like, is that there is a concentration of high-quality players. So right now there's a bunch of stars in the comp and not everyone is playing at that level. So I think there's a bit of a, a separation of talent. But the second part is with shorter games, they're actually probably just playing more on the ball because they can run for longer. So what it really says is women's comp needs longer games. I love that. That's great. So I think it's something we can look at as we, as you know, over the next couple of seasons because what we're seeing with this incredible influx of young talent coming in that this, I think this will change. If our stats, if our theory is that it's around the talent, then we should see this difference get lower and lower as the talent comes in. On the other hand, if it's more around um, the length of games and they're playing, the good players are just playing the whole time in the midfield, then it won't change. I've got this on the list to revisit in 2023. By which time maybe we'll be playing longer games as well. One final thing is I know you've asked me not to complain about the umpires and I still keep doing it. I'm going to do it again. Adjusted free kicks are 70% higher in the women's competition. We've said it before. There's something odd with the umpiring or the incredibly foul oriented play of the women's football comp there's something going on with the amount of free kicks in the women's comp and I don't know what it is I don't think that the women are that much more rule breaking 
than the men. Not that I can see, but maybe I don't know it's whether the interpretations are different. I don't know what's going on, but I'll keep an eye on it. But I think it just comes back to the fact that it feels like the game is being over-umpired across the board. Okay, cool. So that's our over-umpiring comment for the day, for the podcast. We'll just allow ourselves one per podcast. Okay, okay I did have a little bit of a whinge about the tackle earlier, but two, <laughs> no more than two per podcast. <laughs> okay, no more than two or three, depending on how bad the umpiring was that we watched. Okay, that's fine. cool. Well done, Tone. Love your rant. Love your work as always. Keep that yeah. data Cool. A little Duffy watch segment, keeping an eye on the kick-to-handball ratio of Frio superstar Sabrina Duffy. Uh, again, another superstar effort. Nine disposals with seven kicks and one goal straight, uh, which was excellent. And I will say, even a lot of the other kicks I saw her kick, they were just directly at goal, just not all of them made it. So great work, Sabrina. Excellent, Sabrina. We love you. Um, we haven't actually written this in here, but um, pre- because we didn't have a preview last week because we didn't know what we were doing. But the AFL has very kindly announced the fixture for the next week so we know who we're playing. Collingwood is up against North Melbourne on Saturday night at Docklands Stadium. And I'm worried about this because I just don't think Collingwood has been tested yet. And I know all you can do is win. And I'm very pleased and happy that we've got three in a row. But I'm very North, Mel- North Melbourne are playing good football. North Melbourne are playing exceptionally good football. So it should be an exciting match and I'm pumped for it. That'll be good. Pumped but a little nervous I'm t- detecting. Yes. That's How about right. you? So we're off to play Carlton. Uh, we're actually heading back to Optus Oval or whatever it's called nowadays. Who knows? Uh, so... I'm going in cautiously optimistic. I think we should put up another good showing. We just need to, if we can just jag a couple of those early goals and get off on a good foot, I reckon the team's confidence could rise and we'll we'll give ourselves a chance. I wouldn't say we're favourite or anything crazy like that, but uh, I'd like to think that uh, we're not the massive long odds uh, team we've been so far this season. I agree with you. Um, all of the Collingwood players and the Collingwood coach talked about how ri- good Richmond was and how they knew that going into the game. Mm. So actually I, I, I don't think you're flying under the radar within the competition, maybe with some of the fans who are looking at it from the outside and thinking Richmond's never won a game of football. Well, I'd like to leave all the Richmond supporters out there on a more optimistic note because Damien Hardwick lost his first nine games in charge of the Richmond men's team and has gone on to become one of the greatest ever Richmond coaches and one of the most successful Richmond teams ever. The women have now lost nine in a row. The run is beginning. You're due. We're due. It'll start this week. Go Dags. Cool. All right. Well, it's been great talking to you, Tone. Thanks for your time again. Just a shout back to all of our fans out there to say come up with a better name for our podcast for us since we're we're AFLW fanatics, not just Tigers and Collingwood uh, fanatics. This might also have the upside that perhaps we'll actually attract more listeners rather than the slightly obscure niche audience we're going for right now. Having said that, we don't want to mislead people. We're still primarily going to talk about Collingwood and Richmond. That's right. 
Collingwood Richmond and maybe an entertaining or a uh, controversy of the day. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. That's right. And that's a good way to finish. Go Tigers. Go Pies. Go footy. Go footy.